Welcome, and thank you for tuning in to the Preston Shuttlesworth Audio Podcast, a place where we believe you can be equipped to conquer any obstacle in life through the power of God's Word. We have a mission and believe that whatever problem you might be facing, God has a word that can lift you out of your trouble. Now, here's your host, Preston Shuttlesworth. Hey, what's up? Welcome back to the podcast. Happy you're back with me. And especially glad you're back with me this week because um, this could possibly be the last podcast you ever hear if you're listening to it this weekend. I don't mean to, to scare you or anything, but the Feast of the Trumpets is this weekend. And if when I said the Feast of the Trumpets, you're like, what is this weekend? Uh, you're probably like most people, uh, but um, the Feast of the Trumpets is this weekend. And the Feast of the Trumpets is a Jewish feast that takes place every year. And it's a two-day feast. I believe it, it spans uh, the length of two days. And by Jewish tradition, uh, they believe that during the Feast of the Trumpets, their Messiah will return. And in Bible prophecy, from the Christian point of view, many Bible scholars and theologians believe that Jesus and his second coming will take place during the Feast of the Trumpets, during this uh, two-day Jewish feast. And so I believe the Feast of the Trumpets this year in our calendar is September 19th and 20th. And so I believe this episode will come out on the 18th. And so if you're listening to this on the 19th or the 20th, I hope you're right with the Lord. And if you're listening to this on the 18th, I hope you get right with the Lord tonight and today because Jesus is coming soon. I, you know, I'm not one of those people that predicts a time or an hour. The, the Bible says we shouldn't do that. But it's interesting because uh, actually where the Bible says that no man knows the day or the hour, that's actually a phrase that's common for Jewish people to say to one another at the time of the Feast of the Trumpets. And that's why the festival or the feast spans two days, not one. Because when they say no man knows the day or the hour, they're saying that because the Messiah is supposed to come during that two-day period. And And so because it's two days long, the reason they say no man knows the day and no man knows the hour is because they can say that because he's supposed to come during that two-day period, not one day or one hour. And so it's important to know to dis- how to discern the seasons and the times that you live because obviously no man or woman will be able to know exactly when Jesus is coming back, but the Bible does say very clearly that you can know Bible prophecy and you can discern the time and the season that you live in. And if there's ever been a time for you to get things right with God and make sure there's nothing separating you from God and that you're completely repentant and submitted to Him in all your ways, it would be now. It would be this year. And especially it would be this weekend with uh, these things coming up. And so be watchful, be observant. No need to be afraid, no need to be in fear, but (laughs) uh, definitely a time to be prepared and definitely a time uh, to be focused and not be distracted by the things that are going on in the world and be expectant and ready if Jesus were to come. And obviously as Christians, we should live every day of our lives with that mindset that Jesus is coming soon because he is coming soon. 
but especially now with how this year has gone and it seems like every day you can turn on your television and there's a new uh, Bible prophecy that's being fulfilled before your very eyes, you know, whether it's uh, disease or plague or rumors of war or uh, violence at all time high or obviously Israel negotiating that, that peace deal with different nations in the Middle East. All of these things that the Bible prophesies, uh, it seems like one after another, things are lining up and things are happening every day. And so it's important right now to stay focused and make sure you're right with the Lord. Make sure there's nothing keeping you from a relationship with God. And if Jesus were to come, you would be one of the ones that would go with him and not be one of the ones that stayed behind. So I just want to take the first couple minutes of the episode today and get that across before we get into today's topic, which really is going to uh, take a totally different turn because it's not really about Bible prophecy. It's not about uh, repentance. It's not really about uh, turning away from sin. You know, the past couple weeks, uh, not last week, but my two episodes before those, that one, uh, I really focused on that repentance and, you know, Jesus is coming and be ready and make sure your heart is right. So if you miss those, and if that's the kind of message you want to hear during this time, I have those for you. I think one is Jesus is coming, and I believe the other one is uh, righteousness is a defense. And so um, I have material and in, in sermon and teaching and preaching on that, if that's what you're looking for. But today, I want to uplift and encourage your faith with a message about blessing and how and why God blesses us. You know, a lot of people, and this is not their fault, but a lot of people grow up in churches where they never are taught or understand that God is a blesser, that God wants to bless you, that God wants you to be uh, taken care of, that he wants to provide for you, that he doesn't want you to lack and struggle and, and go without and be in want, but God wants to provide all of your needs, and not, well, not only does he want to provide for your needs, but he also wants to answer the desires of your heart. And like I said, I'm not putting anybody down that has grown up in a church where that isn't taught. And maybe you even grew up in a church where they taught that if you expect God to bless you in, in finances and um, in that way, that if you believe that way that you're selfish or that you're materialistic or that you're prideful or whatever it is that they might teach. You know, I understand that everyone comes from a different background, but today I'm just going to stay in the word of God and I'm going to show you and give you 11 reasons why God wants you to be blessed. And I want you to get that first and foremost in your spirit, that God wants you to be blessed, that it's his will for you to be blessed. And before I get into my first text and the first reason for today's episode, I just want you to understand this. If there's nothing else you take away during this time that we have together, I want you to take this away. That anything that didn't exist in the garden before Adam and Eve sinned should not exist in your life now that you've received the blood of Jesus and the covenant that he's made available to you. I'll say that one more time because it's kind of a long uh, compound sentence. I'll say it one more time. But anything... <clears throat> that didn't exist in the time before sin entered the earth in the garden with Adam and Eve should not exist in your life now if you have received the covenant 
of the blood of Jesus over your life. That means sin, because first and foremost, Jesus lived a sinless life. And one of the, the main reason he came uh, to be born on the earth was to live a sinless life, to be a perfect sacrifice for sin, to make an atonement for sin. That no longer do we have to sacrifice bulls and rams and shed the blood of animals to receive forgiveness of our sins. But because Jesus was the ultimate lamb, that he was the spotless lamb without blemish or spot or wrinkle, he paid the ultimate price and shed his blood. And because his blood was perfect, he brought us back into relationship with God and cleansed of us of our sin. And that's why the Bible says that Christ became sin that you and I might become the righteousness of God. Okay, so that's number one. Christ defeated sin. Christ overcame sin. And Christ gave us the authority to overcome sin through his covenant and through the, his blood that he shed on the cross. That's number one. Also, Christ redeemed us from sickness and disease. How do I know that? Because the Bible says in Isaiah 53, 5, that he was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And... By his stripes, we are healed. So the reason Jesus took stripes upon his back was not to forgive us of our sin, but it was to heal us of our sicknesses and our diseases. That anything Christ suffered on the cross, we no longer have to suffer. That there is no glory in their suffering anymore, but because Christ took upon himself the suffering of, si of sickness and disease, that now we, because we receive his covenant, no longer have to uh, experience sickness and disease or accept it in our life. So Christ redeemed us from sin. Christ redeemed us from sickness. But then today's episode, and it's one of the more controversial things in the church that you can teach about because there have been a lot of people that have perverted it and taught it in a way that um, it's not biblical. And I understand that, but that's not the case most of the time. And I'm, that's why I'm going to stay in the word today. But number three, Christ came to redeem you from poverty and lack and struggle. You know, the Bible says that before Adam and Eve sinned, they were in perfect harmony in the garden, that they could eat any of the trees uh, in the fruit, the fruit of the trees, not the trees themselves. They were eating like bark of wood, but they were eating the fruit from the trees and that anything in the garden except that one tree of the knowledge of good and evil was available to them. So understand Though Adam and Eve worked and they did things, they were not struggling to produce fruit or to eat fruit. But struggle and man's curse, that he would have to toil the ground and the ground wouldn't yield its fruit and that he would, you know, there'd be sweat upon his brow and he'd have to struggle and all that stuff. That was a curse that was laid upon man because of sin entering the earth. And so understand that struggle and fruit being hard to bear from the ground and till from the ground didn't enter the earth until sin entered the earth. And so in the prophecy in Genesis 3 where the Bible says, God said it, he spoke it to the serpent, remember? He said that the seed of the woman, it's a prophecy about, the, about Christ in Genesis, uh, I believe it's 3, it might be 6, but it's in the book of Genesis. And God said that from the seed of the woman, he would... Cr uh, he would bruise his heel, but he would crush his head. So the prophecy was that though he would bruise his heel, and what that meant was Jesus would have to die on the cross, though he would bruise his heel, he would crush his head, meaning the devil and the curse. And so when Jesus came and he was born of a woman, 
a virgin woman and lived a perfect life and did all those things, he, in that in that picture of Genesis, crushed the head of the serpent. He, cur- he destroyed the curse and redeemed us from the curse. Or the Bible says in Galatians 3 that Christ became a curse for us so that he might open us up to receive the promise of the Spirit and give us access to the promise of Abraham that Abraham received. And so we are redeemed from sin, sickness, and then also poverty, lack, and struggle. And today I want to get right into the first reason because I'm already like 13 minutes in and I haven't even gotten to one reason. And I have 11 today and each one has at least one scripture, some of them multiple. So this will probably be a longer episode already. But I just want to lay a foundation before I get into the first reason because you have to understand the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, that though he was rich, he became poor, that through his poverty, we might become rich. Jesus did that. Jesus was rich, but he became poor, that through his poverty, we might become rich. It was a plan of God and a task of the Lord Jesus Christ to redeem us from struggle, poverty, and lack, and then open up a way for us to receive blessing and receive fruitfulness back into our lives. And so I want you to understand that first and foremost before we go into Matthew 7, because in Matthew 7 is where we're going to find our first reason why God wants you to be blessed, because God does want you to be blessed. God doesn't want you to have to struggle. God doesn't want you to have to work three jobs and you know, one day not even be able to be in your home and be around your children because you're working and never be having enough money to pay the bills. And, you know, there's arguments that arise with your spouse because of finances and you can't pay your car note and you can't pay your insurance and you can't pay the light bill and everything's a struggle and financial difficulty just becomes this bondage and this weight over your head that constantly you never have enough and constantly you have anxiety because of financial stress, that is not the will of God for you. There's no humility that's born out of that. There's no benefit spiritually that comes out of that. That is from the devil. Poverty is from the devil. Poverty entered the earth because of sin. There wasn't poverty in the garden before sin entered the earth. Poverty was a result of the rebellion of mankind and sin entering the earth. And so, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go forever if I don't just get to Matthew 7, but here's the first reason. If you take notes, number one, the number one reason why God wants you blessed is because he loves you. Because God loves you. It's as simple as that. And what do I mean by that? I'll show you in Matthew 7 what I mean. Matthew 7, verse 7, the Bible says this. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. For which one of you, if your son were to ask you for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he were asking for a fish, would give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more Will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? That's Jesus speaking to the disciples, and it's a passage that I've read many times. But I want you to understand this from the Bible. God wants you to be blessed because he loves you. 
God wants you to be blessed because he is your heavenly father. Jesus gave the example of a natural father and a natural child. That a good natural father, if their child were to come to them and ask them for a piece of bread, that earthly father is not going to be so evil that he, instead of giving his child a piece of bread, he'd make them chew on rocks, you know? But in Christianity, and especially people that are raised with this mindset that there's um, there's beauty in your struggle and that you have to get beaten up through life and you're going to get broken and beaten up and bruised and bloodied, but one day in heaven it will be all be worth it. You know, that kind of doctrine that just makes you... Uh, embrace your captivity. It makes you embrace your bondage, makes you think that the the weight of those things is something God puts on your life to teach you a lesson or make you humble. That is not how God is. God is a loving, giving father. Get that in your spirit today. God is a loving, giving father. He wants you to prosper in your life. He doesn't want you to have to worry about things. I mean, think about it in your own uh, your own parents that you might have. And I don't know what kind of upbringing you had or what kind of parents you had, but any good parent is going to want the best for their children. And maybe, you know, you don't, you don't, you didn't have the best upbringing and you didn't have the best parents in your life. Maybe I don't know where, uh, where you come from or what your background's like, but any good parent wants the best for their children. They don't want their children to starve to death or to die from a lack of thirst or not having enough or, or to be homeless or, to be in debt $100,000 and uh, have their car repossessed by somebody. You know, the, the good parents don't want that for their children. Good parents want the best for their children. So Jesus makes that ex this example in Matthew 7, and he said if that's true in the earthly realm, if that's true with human beings who are imperfect and evil, that's what Jesus said. He said if you being evil then know how to give good gifts to your children, then how much more will your heavenly father give to you when you ask? There's a key. The key is asking. But that's not even what I'm getting into. I'm just getting into the nature of God being a loving father, that God doesn't want you to struggle. God doesn't want to give you rocks when you ask for bread. God gives you what you ask by faith. That's always been true in the Bible. I want to go to Psalm chapter 35. Not for my second reason, but I want to read you a psalm that will really help you today, especially with this topic. But listen to this in Psalm 35, verse 27. <clears throat> the Bible says, Let those who delight in my righteousness shout for joy and be glad, and say evermore, Great is the Lord, who delights in the prosperity of of his servant, who delights in the prosperity of his servant. You know, e even if you say the word prosperity, people tune you out because of how it's been mishandled and abused by people. But prosperity is, is said and used throughout the Bible many, many, many times. You know, in study, I probably should have wrote down exactly how many times it's said, but I promise you it has to be at least a hundred times. The Bible always talks about God being pleased with his servants having prosperity. He's pleased when his children have more than enough. God doesn't want you to have less than enough. God wants to fill your cup 
to overflow. He's a God of abundance. You know, you can go through the entire Old Testament and Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, Joseph, they were all materially wealthy. And if that angers you, then you have a poverty mindset that you need to have broken by the Spirit of God. Because there's nothing wrong with having things. The problem is when things have people. That's something my grandfather used to say all the time. People get so caught up because they don't understand that there's a difference between you having things and then things having a person. Uh, a, a man once said this, I don't, I forget who exactly who said it, but a quote goes like this, that money in the heart is evil, but money in your hand is a weapon. Money in itself is not evil. The Bible says that not money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money is the root of all evil because money in itself is an inanimate object. Money can't think. Money is not good or evil. Money is dependent upon the user. It's a tool. It's a weapon. And only when it gets in the heart of somebody where it becomes greed and where it becomes this unhealthy relationship with money does it become sin. There's nothing wrong with God filling your hand with blessing and letting you know that he loves you and letting you know that you don't have to struggle and scrape by through life. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. So number one, the first reason why God wants you to be blessed is because he loves you. You know, you think, actually, I'll just go to number two because this connects perfectly, which is the second reason why God wants you to be blessed. Number two, because it gives him joy. It gives God joy to see you blessed because you are his son or you are his daughter. God gets joy out of blessing his children. That's the second reason why God wants you blessed. Think of a parent. This is the example I was going to go to before, but it connects perfectly. Think of a parent on Christmas morning. Do you think they're sad when their child comes down the stairs and they, and they see all of their presents under the tree and they see their face light up and they say, you know, mom, dad, can I open the presents? And they have this, the, uh, the child has the biggest smile on their face and they run under the tree and they grab the biggest box and they rip it open and they, and they open up and look inside and it's the one thing they were asking for. And, you know, maybe they just cry from joy because they are so happy to receive the gift that they were asking for. Do you think that parent that morning on Christmas is going to drink his coffee and be like, well, I spent, I spent $75 on that that train set, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, maybe a crappy parent would do that, but a good parent, when they see their child light up with joy because of a gift that they were given on Christmas morning, it will be the greatest gift they receive that day because they don't care about getting anything from the child. They care about being able to bless their child to the point where they're happy and they fulfilled a desire of their heart. And people go through life and they understand there's nothing wrong with that but then they get fishy they get things all out of whack when they get into spirituality and when they get to God but God's the same way and not even just that way God's like that but Matthew 7 teaches us that God's like that but even to a greater degree that God wants to give you something that will light you up with joy God doesn't want to have you be disappointed and frustrated and be in lack your entire life and never be able to uh, step out in your purpose or accomplish your dreams because of financial stress or 
Maybe you're not able to get married to the person you love because of financial issues or whatever it is. God wants you to be blessed. God wants you to have an overflow of abundance, number one, because he loves you. And number two, because it gives God joy, just like a parent gets joy when they give something to their children. God gets joy when he gives something to us. So that's number two. Number three, why number three reason why God wants you to be blessed. God wants you to be blessed because God demands stewardship and multiplication. Okay, so now we're stepping, we're not stepping out of love, but we're connecting love now into stewardship and multiplication. And I can show you this from the Bible. I would go there, but for sake of time, I'll paraphrase the parable. But I, I've said this parable many times on the podcast as well. But think of the parable of the master, the servants, and the talents. And the Bible says there was a master who had talents to give, and he distributed those talents in different amounts to the different servants. He gave the most to one, he gave some to another, and then he gave one to the last servant. And the Bible says they all went away after the master told them to go multiply what was given to them, the talents that were given to them. And the Bible says that one servant, the servant that was afraid to lose what he had, the Bible says he went away and he hid it in the ground until the time that the master was going to call them back to see what they had done with their talents, if they've multiplied it or not. So the Bible says when they came back to the master that one of them multiplied and gave back quite a bit to the master. The, the second servant multiplied a little bit and doubled, I, I believe, doubled what was given and gave it back to the master. But then the last servant, the one that was afraid and hid it in the ground, gave back exactly what was given. But the Bible says that the master was very displeased with the servant that didn't multiply what was given. And he asked him, why didn't you multiply it? And he said and responded in truth. And he said, master, I was afraid that I would lose the talent that you gave me. So out of fear, I went away and hid it in the ground. And now I've brought it back to you. And the Bible says that God or the master who's supposed to symbolize God in the parable was very displeased with his servant. And he said that you're a wicked servant. And he said, he cast them away where there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. So it's a very humbling story, but it lets you see how God demands stewardship and multiplication from the gifts or the talents that he gives to us, his servants. So number three, why does God want you to be blessed? Because God demands multiplication. God demands fruitfulness from your life. God wants you to be on a constant path of increase and advancement and promotion. God doesn't want you to stay where you've always been. God doesn't want you, think of this, God doesn't want you at this time to be the same next year at the same time in, in every area. He wants you to increase. You should not be at the same level spiritually now as you are a year from now or 10 years from now. There should be a steady increase and incline of your trajectory in the Christian faith. You're learning more about God. Your revelation's deepening. Your prayer life is increasing. Uh, you listen to preaching three hours a day now instead of one hour. You know, you're going up. Uh, things are happening. You're, you're expanding your territory, and God's blessing you for it. That's how God wants it to be. 
God has demanded that from the beginning. What did he tell Adam and Eve? He said, be fruitful and multiply. God in his nature demands multiplication. He doesn't want what he gives to rot and stay in the same place, but he wants it to be multiplied and he wants it to grow in number so that it will give glory to him and it will please his heart. So number three, the third reason why God wants us to be blessed is because God demands stewardship of what he's given and multiplication of what he's given. Now I want to go to Deuteronomy chapter eight because we're getting into the fourth, um, the fourth reason why God wants us to be blessed. The fourth reason why God wants us to be blessed, I'll actually read the verse first and then I'll give you my point. Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse 18. The Bible says this. The Bible says, you shall remember the Lord your God for it is he, listen to this, this is a powerful verse. For it is he, God, who gives you the power to create or get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is to this day. And actually, I want to read one more uh, verse. It comes out of the Psalms before I give you this point. You might be able to understand what, what my fourth point is already. But I want to read you one verse from the psalm, Psalm 24, 1. The Bible says this, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all of those who dwell in it. I'll read that again. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And then Deuteronomy 8, 18, I read it to you. It is he, God, who gives you the power to create wealth. So the fourth reason why God wants you to be blessed is because God is the source of prosperity and wealth. That might blow your mind. You know, you, you, that will blow your mind, but you can't argue it. Because are you telling me that blessing and prosperity and wealth comes from the devil? It doesn't come from the devil. God is the source of prosperity. There's a difference between wealth and prosperity and money. I want you to understand that. Because I understand that it seems like mostly it's very wicked people who are very rich. But I'm not talking about money. I'm not talking about earthly resources. Because the Bible says in Proverbs 10, 22, that the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and he adds no sorrow unto it. That's what I'm talking about. That's prosperity a wealth that has no sorrow because there's a lot of people in the world that have money, but that money attached to it has many sorrows and things that are in it because it was gained through a sinful lifestyle or sinful practices. But that's not what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about the blessing of the Lord, prosperity. I'm talking about something that for whatever reason, people think prosperity is a dirty word that you're not allowed to preach on or teach on it, but it's all through the Bible. And it is he, God, who gives you the power to create wealth. Prosperity comes from God. God is the source of prosperity. The earth is the Lord's, not the devil's. Proverbs, or Psalms 24.1, I read it to you. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. What does that mean? That means God has the ability to bless me with the resources of earth, not the devil. You know something? When the devil, I'll show you something from the life of Jesus. 
Remember when Jesus was fasting 40 days and 40 nights and the Bible says the devil came to tempt him because he saw it as an opportune time. And the Bible says that one of the temptations of Christ was the devil brought him up onto uh, a mountain and he showed him all of the world and everything that was in the world. And he said, if you will bow down and serve me, I will give you access to all of the world. And the Bible says that Jesus refused the offer. But you can read about that and you can see that Jesus didn't refuse the offer because he you know, was rejecting the temptation of what was in the earth. He refused the offer because he understood by revelation that that already belonged to him because he was the son of God. The devil didn't have the right to give it to him. And when Jesus died on the cross, he broke the curse that was upon humanity, that the authority that was transferred from Adam to Satan because he sinned in the garden was taken back by the second Adam, Christ Jesus, when he died on the cross, that the curse was reversed and it was nullified and broken by the blood of Jesus. So understand that God is the source of prosperity. It's the fourth reason today why God wants you to be blessed. God is the source of prosperity. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. That's something powerful to get in your spirit because it no longer makes you think that you just have to do your best in the world because the world's not going to give you anything and but understand, we don't serve the spirit of the world. We don't serve mammon. We serve God, who is Jehovah Jireh. We serve the Lord, who possesses all the silver and all the gold. He owns all the cattle on a thousand hills. He's the one who is our source. He is the source of blessing. He is the source of prosperity. There's something that happens in your life when you understand that God is your source, that man is not your source, your business is not your source, uh, your parents are not your source, your government funding your, or your, uh, your FAFSA, your college getting paid off is not your source. God, Jehovah Jireh is your source and the earth is his and the fullness thereof. And he's the one that gives us the power to get wealth. Why would the Bible, understand, say in Deuteronomy 8.18 that God, he's the one that gives us the power to create wealth? That was God himself speaking, you understand, in Deuteronomy chapter 8. And But why did he do it? The Bible says he did it to confirm his covenant. That's powerful. And you understand, oh, the covenant's null and void. Now, no, people think, oh, because the New Testament that the covenant is ineffective and null and void. no. Jesus didn't come to destroy the law. He came to fulfill the law. Jesus, the Bible says, gave us access to the promise that was given to Abraham. And what was that? Abrahamic covenant. And what was that? Deuteronomy 28. You can read all about it. Uh, to bless you and not to curse you, make you the head and not the tail. That you'd be blessed coming in, blessed coming out. I can... I could go to Deuteronomy 28 right now, but for sake of time, I won't. But I could read you every blessing that should be upon the life of the believer because of the covenant we now possess that Jesus opened up because of his shedding of his blood. And so God is your source. God is the source of every financial thing you'll ever need. You don't have to go to other sources. You don't have to be like, oh, God, I know you're great and everything, and you helped me emotionally, and you forgave me of my sin, and you healed me of my body, but 
I have to go to someone else for the whole financial part and the provision part. No, God is your source of every single thing that you need. He's all-encompassing. He's all-sufficient. He's El Shaddai. Hallelujah. That's who God is. And the earth is the Lord's. You don't have to live your life with this mindset that the earth is cursed and there's nothing you can do because, you know, of sin and the earth is just a, a bad place, blah, blah, blah. As long as you have the, that mindset, you'll never be victorious in life. You have to understand what Jesus did. Jesus took the authority that the first Adam gave to Satan, the snake or the serpent when he sinned. And because of what he did on the cross, he said, it is finished. And he took that authority from the devil and gave it back to us. Where the Bible says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, behold, I give you, meaning you, behold, I give you, this is Jesus speaking in Matthew 16, 19, behold, I give you the keys of the kingdom that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. God, excuse me, Jesus gave us the authority back. He took it from the enemy, took what the enemy stole from the first Adam, and he restored it back to us, his people. Hallelujah. It's powerful. Many people will never understand it. This might be the first time you're hearing a preaching or a teaching on the blessing of God like this. But you don't have to live your life one more day that your boss or your manager or your company or whatever it is, is your source. God is your source and the earth is his and the fullness thereof. God gives you the power to create wealth, to confirm his covenant with you. And that covenant was established by the blood of Jesus. It's not a null and void covenant because the Bible says God established his covenant with Abraham 300 years before the law was given to Moses. Meaning, the covenant of Abraham predated the law that Jesus set us free from. So even if you have that mindset that, oh, that's an old thing, and you know, if, if I was Jewish by blood, that would be effective in my life. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that Jesus opened us up in Galatians 3. You can read about it. Jesus opened up the path for us to receive the same Abrahamic covenant and every benefit that was in that package. And you can read that whole benefits package in, uh, in Deuteronomy 28. So that's number four. Let's get to number five. The Bible says um, in Galatians 3 that Christ redeemed us from the curse and he gave us access to the promise of the Spirit. So number five, the fifth reason why God wants you to be blessed is because it's a part of covenant right as recorded in Deuteronomy 28. And Galatians 3. I actually kind of hit on that already. So I think you understand that. So I'm just going to go right to number 6. In Genesis chapter 8, 22. So I'm going to take you to Genesis chapter 8. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. If you just want to know where I'm getting this scripture, it's Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. Here's what it says. It says... As long as the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. I'll read it again. Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. 
the Bible says that while the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, shall not cease. So the number six, the sixth reason why God wants you to be blessed is because it's something he established in the earth that will not fade away until all of the things that are listed in that verse pass away. Genesis 8.22, it's a promise. Seed time and harvest time will not cease until, what does it say? Um, until the earth remaineth. While the earth remaineth, and I don't know if you have looked around, but you're living on the earth, and so the earth is remaining. The earth has remaineth. And so because of that, seed time and harvest is still in effect in the earth. And what is seed time and harvest? Seed time and harvest is that if I give God a seed, if I plant a seed in the ground, that seed must return to me multiplied. That if I plant an apple seed, it becomes an apple tree. Then that apple tree produces apples that all have seeds. And then within each of those seeds are more apple trees. And then you keep going along that path. And so all you need is one apple seed and you can create an entire apple orchard because all you need is the seed. So the Bible says that as long as the earth remaineth, there shall be seed time and there shall be harvest. So a reason why God wants you to be blessed is because it's something he established in the earth. Why would God establish the principle of seed time and harvest if multiplication wasn't in his plan for your life? If multiplication wasn't a desire that he wants you to be have seen in your own life? It doesn't say that seed time and harvest shall remain up until Genesis 15 or up until the Old Testament ends or up until Jesus dies on the cross or up until the iPhone or I don't know anything you can think of. It says that as long as this earth remaineth, there shall be seed time and there shall be harvest time. So I don't know about you, but I take God at his word. I take God at his word in Genesis 8, 22. That seed time and harvest is still a principle that works in the earth. That if I give God something, he returns back to me multiplied what I give if I sow it by faith and if I believe I receive. That's number six. Number seven, I'm, a, I'm not going to turn to John 3.16 because you know John 3.16. But my text for the seventh reason for why God wants you to be blessed comes out of John 3.16. And I, I'll just... I'll, uh, I'll quote it from my memory now, but for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And so what I want you to understand from John 3, 16 is that an expression of love is giving. So the number seven reason, the seventh reason why God wants you to be blessed is because it's something you can only acquire through expressing your love back to him. And that might sound complicated, but I'll break it down for you. Understand, you can't, according to the Bible, you can't express true love without giving. Giving is sacrificial. Or, uh, yeah, giving is sacrificial, but more importantly, love is sacrificial. You can't experience perfect love without sacrifice and without a giving of yourself. So people... Listen, people who claim to love God but aren't givers by nature really aren't living by love because love 
always have get, has giving accompanying it. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that out of the expression of God's love, he gave his most precious seed, which was his own only begotten son, Christ Jesus, that whosoever should believeth on him would not perish, but shall receive everlasting life. So understand from the character and principles of God, from what God did by giving us Jesus, he did that from the standpoint and out of the overflow of his, of his love for the world and for humanity and for you and for, and for me. That love always has giving as a tag team. You can't love somebody or love something but give nothing. Love, understand, you know, it requires giving. You have to give of yourself. You have to sacrifice sometimes your own way, things how you want them to be, things how you thought you imagined them to be, and you lay them down and you sacrifice them because you love that person or you love that thing. Love requires sacrifice, and love requires giving. So the seventh reason why God wants you to be blessed is because it's something, the blessing, the blessing of God is something you can only acquire through expressing your love back to Him. Because not only does God want to love you, but He wants you to love Him. God wants you to love Him. God wants you to praise Him. God wants you to pray to Him and worship Him and have relationship with Him. So like in the beginning, when I gave you the first reason why God wants you to be blessed, because he loves you, number seven, he wants that love returned to him. He wants you, in the same way that he loved you, to love him. Hallelujah. The Bible says that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. Hallelujah. That's an expression of love. He died for us while we were his enemies. While we were the ones that were crucifying him, he died for our sins. Think of that. And all he's asking for God is for you to return that love back to him through the area of giving. And if you do so, he'll multiply it back to you. You know, it's not like God's asking you to give up everything and so that you can live your life and, and <clears throat> because you gave 10% of your income, you can't pay your bills. And, no, God says, if you give me this, I'll give you back more. You can't outgive God. Listen to me. You can't outgive God. That's a prideful way to live your life, to think that you can outgive God. You can't beat God giving, no matter how hard you try. You sow $5, God will give you back $50. No matter what you do in your life, you can't outgive God. God will beat your giving and outmatch your giving every time. People say, oh, um, you know, it's like the in the Bible the people that were giving a bunch in the offering and the Bible says there was a widow that gave two mites and Jesus said and looked at, looked at that and he said that the widow gave more than the rich young people that were giving all the, all the money they gave. It was because it was a matter of the heart. And a lot of people, they give to the church because they think they're doing God a favor. Let me tell you something. You're not doing God a favor. God doesn't need your money. God has all the money in the world. God, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Hallelujah. God doesn't need your money. God wants you to give to him a part of what you have so that you can break the curse of poverty off your life and that he can open up an avenue to bless you. God wants to bless you. He doesn't need you to bless him financially. You know, you can bless him with your worship and things like that, but you giving in an offering or 
in, in a tithe, it's not like God needs your money. Obviously, you can move the heart of God with what you give, just like the widow's offering moved the heart of Jesus because she, he knew that she gave everything she had. But understand, God doesn't need your money. It's all about the matter of the heart. Are you giving something that's sacrificial? And as you lay down something that's sacrificial and precious to you, you open up the, press, the promise of God. How do I know that? I know that from the story of Abraham sacrificing his son Isaac, that God asked Abraham to give him his most precious seed, which was Isaac, which is a typecast of God giving us Jesus, by the way. So when Abraham made that decision to obey God and, and sacrifice Isaac, the Bible says after the angel stayed Abraham's hand from sticking the dagger into Isaac's heart and killing him, that because he made that decision that he loved God so much that he would give him anything, that that's what opened up Abraham to be the father of many nations and to really to become the father of faith because he was willing to sacrifice his most precious seed and gift and give it back to God. And God said, that's the kind of person I can use. So the seventh reason why God wants you to be blessed is because giving, or excuse me, the blessing, you can only acquire the blessing through expressing your love back to God through giving. That's number seven. And then let's move to number eight. As we're getting close to the end here, I want to go to Psalm 121. Psalm 121 and verse 1. I'm just going to read one psalm for this eighth reason. And the eighth reason is this. Because it establishes God as your only source. It establishes God as your only source. I want you to get that in your spirit today on the podcast. That God is your source. And I, I don't like when, you know... And I'm not trying to be disrespectful here, but I don't like when pastors get up, you know, before they preach and they talk about how they need to raise an offering to get uh, the light bill paid in the church or get an AC unit or fix, uh, I don't know, fix something in the church. And, and, they'll, and, and I understand that there are things that the church needs, but almost always, almost always they preach it in a way where it comes off needy, that Oh, we need your money to do this in the church. If you don't give in this offering today, we're not going to have uh, lights in the sanctuary because we can't pay our light bill this week. And they, they really just come off weak and they come off needy from the people that we need your money to do the work of the ministry. Understand, if God called you into the ministry, God will pay the way for you to be successful in your ministry. You don't have to beg people for money and I'll never do it in my ministry. I make a vow before God. I'm not going to beg people for money. Anyone that partners with my ministry, it's a blessing for them to partner with the ministry because they're attaching themselves to a ministry that God's using. So I don't see it as, you know, I'm a preacher and life's hard and I, I just need you to give and partner with me because I can't pay this and I need gas money and I need blah, 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 blah. No, I give from my overflow. And because of that, God brings back to me what I need because he's my source. God is my source. I don't need people to be my source. People are not my source. Get that in your spirit, especially if you feel called into ministry. God called you and God will pay the way. 
God called you and God will pay the way. You don't need people to pay your way. God will call God will pay the way because God called you. Understand that. Get that in your spirit that God is your only source. God is your only source. Psalm 121 verse 1. I'll give you some scriptures to back it up. Psalm 121:1. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from where does my help come from? Verse 2. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven in earth. Hallelujah. I will lift up my eyes to the hills, for where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and made earth. My help comes from him. God is my source. I don't need people to be my source. I'm thankful for every single person that partners with this ministry, but I don't need people's money to do what I'm called to do. Because if 50 people that partner with the ministry, let's say, decide to cancel their their partnership. You know what that means? That means that God's going to send one person that's going to give more than the 50 that quit. Because I'm not going to base my call on what I do based on who's giving and who's not giving. God will provide the way. I don't care what he has to do. He could make me I don't know. God God will make things happen in in any way he wants to. But don't think that people are your source because a lot of people they might go into ministry with the mindset that I'm preaching about now, but then they get partners, then they have a mailing list, then they have people that are expecting things from them, and you know they get pressured to preach a certain way to appeal to mass audiences because they have to pay uh, ministry monthly bills that are getting higher and higher because of the equipment they have or the staff they have now or whatever it is. And because of the pressure financially they feel, they become these like chameleons to preach whatever will gain the most audience so that they can make the most money. But understand, that's how you lose the anointing that's on your life. If you want to be anointed, you stick to the word and you stick to what God called you to do and who he called you to be. And if you do that, God there's a reward to that faith to stand that way. And God will not allow you to go and lack and be without because you made a stand to say, I'm going to be who God called me to be. And I'm not going to allow the intimidation and anxiety of finances and people who are not my source peer pressure me into being that way. God is your helper. Where does your help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and made earth. And then hear this in Psalm 60, verse 11. Psalm 60, verse 11. The Bible says, O grant us help against the foe, for vain is the salvation of man. With God we shall do valiantly. It is he who will tread down our enemies. Hallelujah. Your partners are... Your boss or your manager or whoever it is is not the one that's going to get you through the battle. He's not the one that's going to be your source. He's not the one that's going to get you through. God is your source. So why does God want you to be blessed? Because he wants you to acknowledge that he is your source and your only source. Acknowledge him in that way. When you pray, pray that way. It will greatly increase your prayer life and greatly multiply 
the prayers you have answered when you pray from that standpoint. God, I'm not praying today from a standpoint of weakness. I'm not praying because I need any, any person to do anything. But God, do what only you can do. For God, I acknowledge that my help comes from you. Cast all your cares upon the Lord, for he cares for you. But what do Christians do? Anytime a trouble arises, they call their friend, they call their mom or their dad or whoever it is, and they just complain and they cast all their cares upon people. But that's not biblical. The Bible says, cast all your cares upon the Lord, for he cares for you. God is your source financially and healing uh, for emotional issues, whatever it is, whatever it is that you need in life, God is your source. God's your source. Hallelujah. That's the eighth reason. Number nine, poverty entered the earth through sin. That's why God wants you to be blessed because poverty was a result of the curse that came upon humanity through the sin of Adam and Eve. I touched that on that in the beginning a little bit, but I'll dive a little further because just think of it logically because in my episode on uh, can God be glorified through sickness? And I was talking about divine healing. I mentioned this as well, as well. But God's perfect plan for humanity is shown in how the garden was before Adam and Eve sinned. And understand, there was no sin in the garden before they sinned, obviously. There was no sickness. And there was no poverty. They had everything they needed. They had all the fruit from all the trees they could eat. And all God said was, don't eat from this one tree and anything else. The garden's open to you. You can do whatever you want. You can eat whatever you want. But just don't do that. But poverty was not in the garden before sin entered the earth. And so when Jesus came and shed his blood on the cross, he gave us access to be redeemed from that curse of lack and poverty where now we can have great success in what we do. Now we can have multiplication and the principle of seed time and harvest be in effect and come back to us in a mighty way. You don't have to struggle. You don't have to live your life thinking that you'll be poor. You can be mighty in every area of life. God can strengthen you and give you everything you need at a moment's notice. He is your source of everything good. Number 10, the 10th reason why God wants you to be blessed is because it allows you to be a blessing to your generation. This is an important one. Uh, Proverbs chapter 11. Let's go there. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 25 and 26. Listen to the Bible here. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25 says this. Whoever brings... Actually, I'll start in verse 24, actually. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he has and what he should give and only suffers want. Verse 25. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched. And one who waters will himself be watered. The people curse him who holds back his grain. But a blessing, hallelujah, is on the head of the one who sells it. Hallelujah. Whoever diligently seeks, verse 27, whoever diligently seeks good seeks favor. But evil comes to the one who searches for it. <laughs> 
So whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. Hallelujah. Verse 29, whoever troubles his own house will inherit the wind, and the fool will be servant to the wise of heart. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and whoever captures souls is wise. If the righteous is repaid on earth, how much more the wicked and the sinner. So understand from the Bible there that it's like a stream. Understand that a stream is constantly moving. And so when you give, you can constantly receive. And the Bible says that one who gives freely grows all the richer. Why does that mean? That means it's like a stream. God, if he can understand that he can get money through you like a faucet, that you don't hold on to things and hoard things, but when he gives something to you, you give it right back, then God, on the other hand, comes back and gives you something bigger and better than what you gave. And it just keeps going like that. You give what God gives to you, it becomes back multiplied. You give that, it comes back even more multiplied. And then the Bible says, the one who gives freely, he grows all the richer. Praise God. But then listen to the other side of it. It says there's one who withholds what he should give and he only suffers lack or want. So the Bible says there's one person who gives and he grows all the richer. It's almost like a paradox because you'd think, oh, the one that hoards and just keeps everything to himself, he's the one that will become rich. No, but the Bible says it's the one that gives that becomes richer, but the one who withholds what he should give uh, only suffers lack and only suffers want. What's that? That's something that I call the poverty mindset or a poverty mentality that you just have to hold everything you have and you have to be very frugal and you have to be very cheap and you can't have nice things and you have to wait for everything to go on sale and you have to pay for everything with monthly payment options. And I'm not saying you not to be wise with your finances, but there is a point where you don't have to buy the generic Lucky Charms where the mascot is smoking a cigar and has an eye patch. You know, you can get the store brand. You can get the actual brand of the cereal. You don't have to save 60 cents on cereal because you buy the off brand. You know, there's a point where you don't have to withhold everything and live your life with this mindset of keep, keep, keep and hoard, hoard, hoard and save, save, save. The Bible says that the one who gives grows all the richer, but the one who withholds his seed only suffers lack and only suffers want. And so... Number 10, the 10th reason uh, why God wants you to be blessed is because it breaks the poverty mindset. God doesn't want you to live your life with that kind of mindset that everything's a struggle and, you know, we've always been poor and, you know, people take pride in their poverty. You know what? Take pride in your poverty. You'll always be poor. You, you want to embrace poverty? You want to have holes in your pants and have... Uh, you know, one pair of flip-flops has your only pair of shoes and they have a hole in them and they don't, you know, what, you know. I'm not living my life that way. But a lot of people, you know, God bless them. Let them be, do their thing. They like poverty. They like having less than. You know, my grandfather was poor and he, he was a pastor and he only had seven people in his church. And I just, I love that kind of, you know, that's not, that's not the Bible. You know, I understand that he might have been a good guy and whatever, but as long as you embrace 
having nothing, as long as you embrace being poor and being ineffective and being unfruitful, that's what you'll have. You have to get to a point in your life where you say, you know what? I want what the Bible says I can have. I don't want what my grandfather had. You know, and I'm not, and maybe you had a great grandfather. I'm not trying to rag on grandfathers today. Like I had a great grandfather, but I'm saying, don't get stuck in this mindset that maybe you grew up with, or this cultural thing that binds you that says you have to suffer lack. God wants you to be blessed in every way. God is your source. God loves you. God wants you to be a blessing to your generation. Understand, you can't bless other people if you yourself aren't blessed. How are you going to do missions trips and go to other nations and build churches and hold mass crusades without money? You think that stuff's free? You think it's free to fly a team? of 50 people to Nicaragua and build hospitals and schools and hold outdoor crusades where you're feeding 10,000 people a night and give out Bibles and, and free clothes and, and things like that. You think that's free? Where do you think the money comes from? That You think there's somebody that's just, you know, very poor that's putting on those events? Let me tell you something. Billy Graham was very rich. Sorry, I'm sorry if, if I burst your bubble today. Billy Graham was a very, very rich man. And I'm not saying that he was an evil man. He was one of the greatest men that ever lived. But I'm saying that if you want to be effective and have influence in your generation, there has to come to a point in your life where you break that poverty mindset and you say, I'm willing to receive what God has for me. If God wants me to be a church planner, God bless me with the finances and resources to do and perform the dream and purpose that you've given me. There's nothing worse than having a big dream but a poverty mindset. That is how you get frustration and uh, depression every time because you have all these big dreams. You have all this hope. You have all these things inside of you, but because of this poverty mindset, you can never break the barrier of getting out of that way of thinking, and you never are able to operate and walk in the thing that you know God's calling you to walk in. Break it today. Break it today. Don't ever allow someone to make you think that you should suffer with less than or be in lack or be poor. God wants you to be blessed. God wants you to understand that he loves you, that he wants to bless you with every good thing, that he's the source of your prosperity, that the earth is his and the fullness thereof, that it's him that gives you the power to create wealth. Break the poverty mindset today. Walk in your God-given potential and future and understand that the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and he will add no sorrow unto it. Understand that Jesus, although he was rich, he became poor for your sake, that through his poverty you might become rich. I'm not embarrassed to say it. I'm not embarrassed to say the word prosperity. I'm sure I'll get messages, you know, you shouldn't really, you know, get your head. I have my head straight. I have Bible upon Bible upon Bible where I could back this up. It's all through the Bible. God wants you to be blessed in every way, to be generous in every way. He wants you to bless your generation. He wants you, you know, there's a proverb, I'm paraphrasing it, but it basically says that a wise man who's poor preaches and speaks and no one comes to listen, but a fool who's rich has great crowds that come to listen to him. And I'm not saying the, the fool has anything good to say. He doesn't. But the Bible is making a point that wealth brings influence. That if you have money and material wealth and you're successful, people will come from everywhere to listen to you. 
Why do you think people like Travis Scott and, you know, these rappers who have half a brain, who probably have an IQ of like 20, are multi, multi millionaires and everything they do, they have all these people that come to them because they have the appearance of success. And like it or not, people are attracted to successful things. People want to be around successful people. And if so, if God raises you up, and I believe he will, if God raises you up to be an influence in your generation and he does it financially, then God bless you. And God will use you to be someone like Billy Graham was. Someone that's blessed to be a blessing to their generation. Someone that receives and understands that I don't have to be poor, but I can use what God gives me to bring glory to him and bring something greater back to him. And when I do that, he gives me something greater. And I just go upon that path throughout my life. And there's constant increase, constant advancement, and constant promotion because I walk in the advance and in, in the principle of seed time and harvest that's established in Genesis chapter 8 and verse 22. That as long as the earth remaineth, there shall be seed time and harvest. It's not going to end. It's not something that's only in the Old Testament. Jesus gave us access to it by his blood. The promise of Abraham belongs to you if you're a child of God. And in the promise of Abraham, are all the blessings that you'll ever need. And, I, and actually, since I mentioned it so much, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and read it while we uh, come to a close today. I gave you 11 reasons. I hope you took notes today. If you, I would encourage you to go back and write down every reason I gave to you about why God wants you to be blessed, and it will help you. I hope today's helped you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish in Deuteronomy 28 because I want to read to you about the blessing of the covenant that you have. Bible says this, Deuteronomy chapter 8. If you, if, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1. If you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all of these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. If you obey the voice of the Lord your God, blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall you be the fruit of your womb, and the fruit of your ground, and the fruit of your cattle, and the increase of your herds, and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket, and blessed shall be your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you one way, but they'll flee seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your barns and in all that you undertake, and he will bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a people holy to himself. As he has sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, and all the people of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you, and the Lord will make you abound in prosperity, in the fruit of your womb, and in the fruit of your livestock, and in the fruit of your ground, within the land that the Lord swore to your father to give you your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his great treasury, the heaven, 
the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season, and to bless all the work of your hands. And he shall lend, and you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail, and you shall go only up and never down, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, being careful to do them all. And if you do not turn aside from any of the words that I command you today, to the right hand or to the left, to go after gods or to serve them. Hallelujah. That about sums it up. Let me pray for you today. Father, I thank you for this time we've had on the podcast. Father, I thank you that none of the my friends that are listening today will ever have to experience lack or suffering in financial areas. God, I pray financial blessings upon my friends today. Let them understand from the word of you, that you want to bless them in every way, to be generous in every way, that you want to make them the head and never the tail, that God, you are wanting them to be an influence in their generation, that firstly, you want to bless them because you love them with all of your heart. Secondly, you want to bless them because it gives you joy to give them gifts that will make them laugh and make them happy. I thank you, God, that you are the source of every wealth and every prosperity. Every good thing comes from you. And there is no variableness nor shadow of turning in you. God, I thank you that you're raising up a generation that will not compromise your word to say that you're someone that wants us to experience lack, but you're a God of overflow and abundance. And surely their cup shall run over in the mighty name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. I love you today. I hope this helped you. I want you to understand, you know, I did, I went through a lot, you know, this might be a podcast that you have to go back and, and listen to and take notes on, but I want you to know that God wants you to be blessed. God doesn't want you to struggle. God doesn't want you to be uh, discouraged and never able to do what you're called to do because finances weigh you down and because you have to work some job you hate because you have to make ends meet. God wants to bless you. God wants you to be established in this earth because the earth is his and the fullness thereof. He wants to raise you, raise you up, seat you in a place where you have influence in your generation and you're blessed to be a blessing. That's all for me today. I want you to know that God loves you and that he has a wonderful plan for your life. Don't miss out this weekend. Be ready this weekend. Feast of the Trumpet is coming up. I want to encourage you again, if you feel to partner with this ministry, I, I want you to check out the website, which is in my Instagram uh, bio, if you follow me on Instagram. And we have giving a giving tab on there where you can partner with the ministry at any level on a monthly basis. Uh, I greatly encourage you today to go on there and partner with the ministry. And I'm believing God's best for you. I believe that the final months of this year will be the best months you've had in Jesus' name. I want you to know that God loves you. I love you. And I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Preston Shuttlesworth Audio Podcast. To stay connected with Preston and for booking information, make sure to follow him on social media on Instagram and stay tuned for our upcoming ministry website. For more episodes, please subscribe and make sure to come back here every Friday for brand new weekly content.